Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Hey, I'm really, really sorry if you're getting your news from these media hacks. They just are seemingly incapable of telling the truth. It's like a truth block serum. You know, I have a truth serum. It's like the anti-truth serum. I've got a lot for you today. What really happened in Wisconsin? Wisconsin, what's going on? Listen, trust me, it's important. Please take my word for it. What happened in Wisconsin? Got that. Got more on that. Trump was going to financially benefit from his $3 in stock in a drug company. I got that loaded show today. A little update yesterday on Christopher Steele that I'll transfer to today's show as well. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. You don't like the government spying on your online activity? I don't either. Go to expressvpn.com today and protect yourself, protect your data. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Fine, sir. Yeah, man, I'm doing pretty good. Ready to go. Yeah, I know. We had yeah. a, Me and Joe just had a uh, company call before. I had an update on the progress of the Dan Bongino Hello. Show. A lot of great yes. stuff coming ahead as we expand <laughs> the Bongino Inc. Uh, radio and podcasting empire. We love that. Um, all right, folks, again, loaded show today. Stay with us. That's right. Today's show brought to you by Policy Genius. Hey, there are things we look back on and think, how did I get it so wrong? Might be wearing multiple polo shirts and popping all the collars, donating to, to, to Coney 2012, or dating that one person that one time, you know the one. We're always going to get things wrong, ladies and gentlemen. That's just how life is. But there are also things we can get right on the first try, like shopping for life insurance. Very important. That's where Policy Genius comes in. They make finding the right life insurance a breeze. We love Policy Genius. Super easy. In minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. Your best price. You could save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. When you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape for free. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. You could also look at home, auto insurance quotes, disability insurance. They got it all. So even if you look back in your triple denim days in distress, you'll never be distressed about life insurance with Policy Genius. In just a few minutes, they can find you the best price. You can apply at policygenius.com. We get all things wrong from time to time. We all get things wrong from time to time. At least we can get life insurance right with policygenius.com, policygenius.com, policygenius.com. Come yes. All right. There it is. I didn't even say let's go. You beat How you me like to the punch, but that's okay. That's Joe's all right. a little uh twitchy on the trigger finger. <laughs> twitchy. All right. So just quickly yesterday, there was this absurd story about how Donald Trump threw a Dodge and Cox mutual fund he owns. I own shares in that too. So apparently I'm an huh. owner of of this company, Sanafi or Sanafi, whatever, S-O-N-F-A-I. Again, I own Dodge and Cox. I had no idea who this company even was that produces hydroxychloroquine off patent, doesn't even sell it in the United States, apparently, and has donated most of their supply to France, that, Joe, you heard the dastardly story that Donald Trump owns shares in dogs and Dodge and Cox to a family oh, trust. Oh, yeah. So he may yeah. own approximately about $99 in the stock. Therefore, that's why oh. Donald Trump is pushing hydroxychloroquine. Again, if you believe this, I feel really bad for you. The New York Times is getting dunked on <laughs> by everyone. Even the Washington Post and Snopes, left-wing rags, really? absolutely committed to disinformation themselves, Joe. Yeah. Even they're like, this was a really dumb story. Ken Vogel at the New wow. York Times, known for dumb <laughs> stories, by the way, put this absurdity out there. So I'm not going to relitigate this story. But I saw this tweet by Don Trump Jr., which pretty much sums up how stupid this story is and how unbelievable 
unbelievably poor the media coverage has been over the past couple of years in the Trump administration. Check out this tweet because it makes so much sense. Don Jr. The same media that has absolutely no problem with Hunter Biden taking in $1.5 billion directly from the Chinese government has a problem that Donald Trump may own $99 of a stock through a mutual fund that happens to make a drug he's hopeful could work against the pandemic. F I got to leave it family friendly. Uh, you can Manchu. see it on the YouTube yes. if you want to read the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm going to leave that story there. <laughs> Don Jr. pretty much summed it up. Again, the media coverage has uh, been just atrocious. All right, let's get to more substantive stuff here because this matters. And again, we could spend all day dunking on the media. It's just uh, hilarious. We got some comic relief into dispersed in the show too. I got uh, Savage Trump at the press conference, which was great yesterday, dunking on another report. That'll be funny later. But let's move on. Um, folks, I've been warning you on a very serious note. You know, we're in a really perilous time here. Obviously, we're in the middle of a health crisis. We're also in the middle of a financial crisis, an economic crisis. We're in the middle of a governing crisis. As I said to you yesterday, I believe, and I don't say this hyperbolically to be silly or to be overdramatic for effect at all, sacred bonds are being broken right now. Our bond to liberty and individual decision-making and responsibility is being fractured because people are being sold a, a narrative that nanny government is here to rescue us all the time, despite the fact that no matter who's in charge, government has become an impediment to success, not an avenue to it. But also, I told you, the sacred bond between us and government in the form of the intermediary that keeps the thin crust on the volcano, to quote Havelock Ellis, law enforcement. Ladies and gentlemen, I was a member of law enforcement. There are politicians directing law enforcement to do things that I'm telling you, and I'm to all my police officer friends out there, and I deeply appreciate a lot of your, I'm getting this from them too, your correspondences. I appreciate your emails, your Facebook messages. I'm getting them. I see where you're going. A lot of them are being instructed by police chiefs who are overly political and politicians and local mayors to do things that are going to fracture bonds we've had with law enforcement that have been pretty steady for decades. There's been ups and downs. I get that. Arresting people on paddle boards in the middle of the ocean by themselves. Guys, I'm sorry. There's no excuse for that. That's just silliness. I'm not blaming them. They're being instructed by people to do it. Right. But folks, these are bad calls. And to the cops, police officers, corrections officers, and other law enforcement officials out there emailing me how upset they are about some of the stupidity going on, I'm with you. I get it. Judgment, discretion here is key. Please, ratting on our neighbors because they're walking their dogs by themselves, causing no danger to anyone else, is a ridiculous. Ridiculous. But one of the other sacred bonds that's being broke is the bond between conservatives, libertarians, and the idea of a limited government. For some reason, there are even conservatives who are starting to believe right now that the government is going to rescue us from this. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no such thing as a stimulus package. This thing will not stimulate anything. It is a band-aid for a government-enforced intervention. Fine. It's not a stimulus package. Now, showing you that the Democrats are going to leverage this moment for a grander, never let a crisis go to waste ecosystem in the future of a more expanded government footprint in your life. They're not even hiding it anymore. Here is Representative Ayanna Presley, one of the members of the squad, the AOC squad, on a news program doing an interview discussing now, Joe, 
how in the next phase, they want benefits for prisoners, people oh, in yeah. the country illegally. Hell, why not the whole globe? The globe, why are we even stopping here? Yeah. We can go on to Mars, M-theory, other universes, um, mm -hmm. aliens from other planets, Saturnians, uh, people from uh, Jupiter, anywhere. I'm not talking about Jupiter, Florida. Why not just this? Because the money fairy, Joe, now, now yes. if we can expand the government. Listen, she's not even hiding it. Listen to this interview. Check this out. I'm telling you, this is their never let a crisis go to waste moment. It looks like we're actually be gearing up for um, Plan B of the CARES Act. Um, and then beyond that, perhaps a package four that would focus on infrastructure and economic recovery. Um, I know that I consider student debt cancellation to be critical to any uh, comprehensive economic recovery. We need to continue to make uh, federal investments in our community health centers. We need to center uh, the humanity of every individual, family, and worker. And that includes not leaving behind our undocumented and our uninsured. We have to continue to make those investments to support vulnerable populations like those experiencing homelessness, incarcerated men and women. Um, and, and again, we have to continue to support those small businesses. Oh my gosh. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to give you an optimistic note again because I'm not going to do 24-hour hysteria and bad news here. But folks, right. we're going to stick with the economic portion of the show today. We're going to stick with the economics of this crisis because those are going to last. That's not going to go away. We're going to stay away from that other stuff for a moment. I'll get to maybe a little bit of it later. But do you understand we are living in a world right now of risk and competing harms? Do you wonder, please tell me, I know you understand oh, sure. that my audience is super intelligent. Sure, yeah. We do not live in a world of good or bad black and white decisions. Please. Liberals think that way. Conservatives are forced to live in the real world. Read the book Vision of the Anointed by Thomas Sowell if you need a, 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 a full treatise on this. One of the greatest books I ever read. Conflict of Visions by Thomas Sowell is another great, but a little deeper. We talk about this vision, these two competing visions where the liberals think we live in this perfectible world and conservatives understand that we're a world of, 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 of sin, failure, obviously love and good things too. But mm -hmm. we live in a world of competing harms. The only thing we can do is maximize our prosperity by minimizing the harms of our decisions. That is it. I say that because Ayanna Presley right there solidified for me in that one quick soundbite squad member solidified for me the conflict of vision we're going to have going forward. She's talking about helping people as if it's good or bad, Joe. We obviously have to help the homeless. We have to help prisoners. We have to help the undocumented. Ladies and gentlemen, we're mm. all children of God all around the world. I get that. I, I'm, again, I'm not over-dramatizing that. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. He didn't say, just help people who are U.S. citizens. Having said that, when it comes to competing interests, when it comes to government policy, yes, we help U.S. citizens because we're the ones that fund the government. It's our government, and it is not possible. Not possible for the United States to rescue the billions of people that live in the world. We don't have the tax base for it now to get our own country out of this. You want to rescue the globe? The money fairy doesn't exist. What she's proposing will cause massive harm and almost instantaneous bankruptcy, which will level the United States, the economy, and any chance you, your kids, or grandkids have at any semblance of a normal life for generations. We are weighing competing harms. Do we help people in the United States and citizens first? 
and say, listen, I'm sorry. The rest of the world, you're all children of God. We believe that. But we simply don't have the assets to help you. Therefore, you will be harmed. Or do we harm everybody in the United States, bankrupt the United States and the world in the process by trying to do something we know is impossible because the money fairy doesn't exist? The choice is fairly obvious. Now, they already want to move to phase four of this porculus. It's not a stimulus. Please stop calling it that. This phase three was a Band-Aid, and albeit a poorly designed one at that. Unfortunately, they had to deal with the Democrats. And I got to thinking before I did the show this morning, if it was a world devoid of liberal Democrats and rhino Republicans, and we had to move forward in a more prosperous fashion, how would we do it if there were no impediments? I'm going to give you that battle plan in a second. But first, I want to show you what we were forced to accept, the conservatives by some rhino Republicans and some really awful Democrats in phase three, article in the Wall Street Journal today by Casey Mulligan, showing you just how brutal this phase three was. Congress can still save the recovery, Casey Mulligan and Brian Blaze. Lawmakers should correct incentives not to work lest they slow the recovery after the economy reopens. Folks, the phase three, there were portions of this that were designed really poorly. I need you to keep in mind going forward as I read this too. They need to fix phase three before there's any talk at all of a phase four. Keep in mind, as I address this, I'm going to go through two screen caps from this uh, Wall Street Journal article. We are not talking about good versus bad. To the liberals who email me, you just want people to die and starve. I'm sorry, you're going to have to email someone. I delete those emails immediately because one, you're being ridiculous. And number two, you're creating straw man arguments I'm not making. We are competing between two options, bankrupt the United States forever or spend a lot of money now, but restrict it and, and maximize the incentives to get back to work. Spend a lot of money now, bankrupt later. They're both bad options. We don't want to spend money we don't have now. We don't want to bankrupt the United States later. They're both bad options. The only question is, what's the less bad option? Well, let me show you how the incentives in this porculus in phase three are disastrous for production. Production is what creates our wealth, ladies and gentlemen. Production, what we produce. Cars, medicines, movies, fans, computers. That's what makes us wealthy. I'm not getting into the metaphor. Love makes us wealth. Great. Read that book. Eat, pray, love. Fine. Do your thing. Do yoga. I'm not, I'm not knocking you. I'm just saying. Do your <laughs> thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about material wealth. Your ability to drive, your ability to heal yourself relies on things we produce. Medicines, cars, computers, and that stuff. We have to produce it. So if the stimulus, stimulus, porculus phase three bill creates incentives for us not to go to work and produce stuff, we will not be wealthier in the long run. Let's look at this screen cap number one from the piece. Casey Mulligan. He says, quote, when it's safe for businesses like restaurants and hotels to reopen, employers will be competing with the government for a potential employee's time because many employed workers will earn more from remaining idle. They won't rush to come back to work. This will make it difficult for many businesses, particularly smaller ones, to produce at the pre-virus levels of output. Ladies and gentlemen, please keep in mind at all times, dump the metaphysical nonsense and the eat, pray, love stuff for now. I'm not knocking a book. So please, I don't ever even read the damn thing. I saw the movie, I think, once. I'm simply suggesting to you that our ability to be prosperous going forward, to eat well, to entertain ourselves, to work, to live comfortably in an air-conditioned home, things that matter to you. No one wants to sit in Florida in 99 degrees in the summer in a sweat box. 
The ability to do that requires us to produce things, to produce stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, stuff matters. If we create an incentive, and what Casey Mulligan's referring to there is the $1,000 per week in unemployment benefits. Ooh. If we create an incentive to not work, there will be some, not all, some, not all, for the liberals watching, some, not all people to say, wait, wait, let me get this straight. A thousand a week? Thousand dollars a week, you're going to get me to not work? Well, I only make 35000 a year at my job. If I can make five, ten thousand 10000 more by staying home, ladies and gentlemen, you'd have to be an idiot to go to work. It's going to be a lot of sums. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of sums. Yeah, a lot of sums. People aren't stupid. We're rational maximizers. You, they created a, an incentive in this phase three to not band-aid anything, but to stack it with gauze, tape it up, and to like blow on it for 24 <laughs> hours a day. Oh, that doesn't feel too bad. Oh, we're being cruel, Dan. People have put We're not being cruel. We live in a world of cruel choices. What's the less cruel? We need people to go back to work as soon as possible, not to create a mathematical calculation where it makes more sense to not produce anything. This was in the bill. Hmm. Republican senators, who, by the way, got pilloried and some people in the media for saying it, some Republican senators were like, this doesn't make any sense. We, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, this isn't free money. It's our money. The government doesn't produce anything. Government only gives out our money through the leaky bucket, to quote Arthur Okun. Government takes money from you. The bucket leaks. It leaks through the bureaucracy. Takes about a dollar from you and then gives you back 40 cents. It's your money. You will pay for this, either through inflation or taxation. There is no free lunch ever. What a horrible incentive. Let's fix that before we start talking about paying off prisoners and illegal aliens. Just a thought. Here's another problem with the porculus. Quote, Wall Street Journal, Casey Mulligan, Brian Blaze. To make matters worse, many of these policies extend to midsummer or longer. When concerns about the contagion, especially among the non-elderly who do more than 90% of work, will hopefully have given way to the desire to get back to normal. There will be pressure to extend this relief even further, particularly since the employment rate, in part because of Congress's efforts, will remain higher than desired. While it's too late for legislatures to approach the first round of relief with appropriate care, they can still avoid making the same mistakes twice. Amen. Folks, incentives matter. Only the simple-minded think otherwise. Ah, incentives don't matter. They really? They don't? Incentives don't matter? Incentive, are you, are, wait, then why do people shop? Why do people shop for cars, like for airline tickets? Why, I like you, why incentives. not just buy the first class ticket? Yeah. Why not? I don't understand. Buy, it's more comfortable. You get food. Why don't you buy it? Well, because they're expensive and after, oh, so incentives matter. Yeah. If you're going to pay someone $1,000 a week to not work, and some of those people have jobs that are less than $1,000 a week, why would you work? Many will. Because there's dignity in work. Some won't. When those some, as Joe said, become something big, you're talking mm -hmm. about massive portions of our workforce not producing. And it is production and the supply of stuff that makes us wealthy. And stuff requires people to create stuff. 
Now, on a more optimistic note, I keep thinking to myself, and I, I really, really hope the Trump team is listening here. I mean that. President had a message at a, at a, uh, at a presser he was doing, one of his daily press conferences on the uh, Chinese coronavirus. And he said something that impacted me. Ladies and gentlemen, the president, whatever you need to do, email him, email his campaign staff, talk to him directly. For those, despite what the media wants you to believe, I don't have a personal friendship with him. We've spoken many times, but he's not my buddy. I don't have him on speed dial. I don't care whatever in the left-wing media tells you. Like there's some cabal of us who advise the president. It's not me. He said something at the presser, which deeply impacted me, and he was right. He said, we built this economy back once and we'll do it again. I like that. Whether he knows it or not, MAGA's great. I like Keep America. It's all great. Those are all great slogans. Make America great. You know what? You need to start the new red hat movement. And the new red hat movement will be, we'll do it again. Ladies and gentlemen, nobody votes for pessimism. Nobody votes for plan B. Nobody votes for any of that. Impressionable voters, not the liberals, they're not going to get through to them. Impressionable voters who are rational thinkers vote for optimism. They vote for leaders. The president needs to say this every single day at his press conference, every time a mic is in his face, and to anyone who will listen. We built this economy back up once. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. We'll do it again until every American remembers the good times. And remembers, we'll do that again. You have to hear a message, what, seven to 21 times before it's drilled into your cerebral cortex? He needs to say it 21,000 times. We will do it again. I'm going to get it to someone who will listen to, hopefully, yeah. myself. The president's only message from this point on should be, we'll do it again. Yep. Just some quick notes I thought to myself this morning. Do you agree, Joe? I mean, well, yeah. It was the greatest thing he said yesterday. Yeah, I do it again. It. Get back, Jack. He do said, it we again. will do it yeah. again. I yeah. did it before. We will do it again. Bingo. The verdict is in. Ow. That was a shot. Loved it. It was awesome. There you go. Sorry. Did I blow your eardrums out? That's no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Now, just quickly, because I thought about this more. If I had my druthers and my conservative friends who actually think about things like incentives, a world of competing harms, and how you make a world of competing harms more prosperous despite nothing but competing harms. Oh. What trade-offs will we make? I thought, what would I do? Just some quick things. One, the, the Trump administration and the Republicans in Congress should consider another contract with America. Call it something different if you don't want to bring back visions of the New Gingrich era. I, I, why I, that you would, I, I don't know. Maybe they don't like them. I don't care. Call it whatever. But the contract should be out. I did this during my campaign. People love contracts. Why? Mm-hmm. Because it shows a belief in something. It shows a willingness to put it down in writing, which you actually believe in. Put it down. Put a contract out there. What would I put forward if I wanted the contract? I'd say, we, this is what we are going to push for. And I would say in that contract, keep in mind, we don't, know, we, we don't run the House of Representatives. The Democrats do. But this is what we're going to push for. And we are going to try to bring up a vote on this. We will get blocked. But this is our contract. And I want you to know this. Our will do it again. We'll rescue the economy again contract. I want every Democrat on the record on this. We are going to push all we can to get a vote. If we can get it, we will vote yes on this. If we can't, no, the Democrats don't want to do it again. 
Nice. I like that. Put it on paper. Mm -hmm. Tax cut across the board. 18, 20% tax rate for everything. Capital gains, corporate income tax, level amount. Stop having different tax, tax rates for different income structures. What happens? People then move their income to capital gains. People move their capital gains to income. People move corporate. They, 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 uh, they do an LLC rather than declaring it as income, an S-core, pass-throughs. Forget it. Make it all straight across the board. Hauser's Law. I don't have time to go into it today. You can look it up. Hauser, H-A-U-S-E-R. Hauser's Law. We raise about 17 to 20% of the economy in taxes every year, no matter what the tax rates are. What does that tell you? The tax rate should be what? 18 to 20%, which means a heavy tax cut across the board, level across the top. Cap gains, income taxes, uh, corporate taxes, 18 to 20%. That's it for all of them. Let the Democrats put it in a contract. Let the Democrats vote again and explain it. As I said to you before, promise our seniors 55 and older, we'll take care of you. Social Security and Medicare, we get it. The programs right. are broke. There's no money. I'm sorry. Again, I don't mean to break the bad news. I'm not trying to insult anybody. You can read their own trustee reports if you don't believe me. There's no money there. It's IOUs that are worthless. Having said that, people 55 and older designed their lives around these programs. We failed them. 55 and younger, we have to tell folks right now those programs are gone. I'm sorry. S fix it now your own personal finances, because there is no tax base to pay for that, you would see the credit rating of the United States jump instantaneously. Instantaneously. Because believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, for the debt we're in, it would be entirely manageable. Our debt now, over time, if we didn't have $100 trillion in obligations for Social Security and Medicare benefits, we don't have. We're $22 trillion in debt now and about $100 trillion in debt in liabilities to people 55 and younger we can't pay. Come out with it now. Have some guts. At least be on the right side of history and math. Finally, healthcare savings accounts. Dump Obamacare. Scrap this whole thing. We're going to allow people to pour money tax-free. Tax-free on input. Tax-free on output. Tax-free all around into healthcare savings accounts up to a certain amount of your income. Unexpected, whatever. We can do some kind of national average on what healthcare expenses would be. Maybe up it a little bit for people with chronic conditions. Tax-free in, tax-free out. You don't use it, pass it on to your kids. We will have a national savings pool of where people can spend their money on health care tax-free. Forget this, get the government out of it altogether. For low-income folks, we still have emergency rooms that they have to be accepted in. We can have some kind of national deposit made in their account up to a certain point. If we need some kind of a safety net, we don't want people dying on the streets, that's fine. Scrap it, put it in the contract tomorrow. Put it in your, we'll do it again contract. We'll do it again. Contract. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. Put it on paper. Let's get the Democrats. Let's get them on it. Let's get them on the record. Oh my gosh. Older people won't vote for us. We mentioned social security. They're fine. We will take care of them. As a matter of fact, I think our message should be the only way we're going to be able to pay you, our seniors, who by the way, are our greatest generation. I don't say that as some silly talk point. I'm not running for office. Right. I don't need to do that nonsense. They are our greatest generation. They lived in a harder time they fought wars with not even with the equipment we have now. They, back then, there was no Skyping home back then. The body counts from those generations were absurd. They were off the charts. They saved freedom and liberty. Our message should be, we will be there for you, 55 and older. And the only way to do it is to tell the younger folks right now who are living in a healthier, easier time to live than when you live, that their benefits are not there. But we will take care of yours. That should be the message. Oh, what do you, you don't, don't treat seniors like they're stupid. They understand math. 
Right now, as we're going, we're bankrupt and we're not going to be able to pay them. So don't give me that nonsense. Seniors won't vote for us. Silly. That gets me upset. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let me move on. Mm-hmm. I got a lot more to get to, including a quick comic relief break because we went up, we went down, a little optimistic note. Remember, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. Before we do that, second sponsor today, Omaha Steaks. I had these the other night. Uh, they have a chicken fried steak, which I got to tell you, I didn't grow up in the South. I was a northerner. I was a city boy. And I got to tell you, man, that chicken fried steak is something fierce. It was good. My mouth's mm. watering right now. Omaha Steaks stock up boxes make a great care package gift. Make sure someone you love has a full freezer now. They'll have peace of mind knowing dinner will be easy there and ready for you. Right now, the Omaha Steaks limited time stock up sale is available for our listeners to help your family stock up on the food you love. We had we bought two of these boxes. Go to omahasteaks.com. Enter code Bongino into the search bar to unlock savings unique to my listeners. There's a variety of ready-to-ship stock-up boxes available now. Enter promo code Bongino in the search bar at omahasteaks.com. You could save more than 50% on your order. Get free shipping on orders of $69 or more. They're perfect for families, these packages. They're ready to head straight to your door with free shipping. Here's what the stock-up box includes. My mouth's going to water now, so is yours. World-famous, delicious Omaha steaks, naturally aged to tenderness and trimmed to perfection. You can cut these with a butter knife. I'm not kidding. Premium poultry and pork cut by Omaha Steaks Butchers and individually sealed for freshness and flavor. Tasty and easy to make. Side dishes. I got got fajitas in one of mine. No work family meals for your (laughs) slow cooker or oven. Skillet meals. I did. They're delicious. Ready in 15 minutes or less. Comes right to your door, ladies and gentlemen. You don't even need to go to the supermarket comes packed in dry ice. It's a beautiful thing. Stock up boxes are ready to ship now. Now, free shipping plus uh, savings on, uh, and save big plus, pay, save big plus shipments of, on $69 or more. Omaha Steaks has guaranteed quality. It's a fifth generation family owned butcher. Hand cut meats by uh, master butchers in the heartland of America. Every Omaha Steaks orders flash frozen, vacuum sealed, and safely delivered in a cooler with dry ice. Fresher than fresh. Quality and safety guaranteed. If you're stocking up on things you need, don't forget food you love. There's never been a better time to stock up on Omaha Steaks. The stock up sale is going on right now. Ready to ship packages. You could save 50% or more and free shipping on orders of $69 or more. Go to omahasteaks.com. Go to the search bar on their website and type Bongino for the savings. B-O-N-G-I-N-O. Omaha Steaks. Don't miss out. All right. Gosh, they are delicious. See, now I'm hungry. Now I'm hungry. Look what happened. Paul is laughing because I'm always hungry all the time. I eat like a slob. For those of you who know me personally and listen to the show, you know that to be true. My old boss in the Secret Service once watched me eat uh, two pounds of Rudy's brisket from the Rudy's in Waco. Two pounds. Two. The deuce. That's right. Don White, my buddy. Watch. He said, Dan, you going to eat all that? Watch. Took me about a half an hour, but I finished the whole thing. Good teeth, too. (laughs) Just, oh, Rudy, you ever have Rudy's? <laughs> yeah. Rudy's is the best. Love Rudy's. Love Rudy's. Especially the Rudy's in Waco. We used to go in there all the time when we were out at the Bush Ranch. Okay, here's a little bit of quick comic relief. Here's Savage Trump from, yes, I don't mean that as an insult. It's a New York thing. Savage is usually, a, you're a savage is not an insult. It's a compliment. So for those of you wondering, here's Savage Trump yesterday at the presser. So, you know, I always tell you, and I'm, you know, I, I, I'm just giving you my personal experience. It's not a value judgment on who they are. My dealings with reporters, not all of them, but many, a large majority, very large, are that they're really not bright. I'm not kidding. Um, I, I guess it's an insult, but it's not intended that way. I'm just giving you a value judgment. They are really not bright. 
Um, they don't know a lot. What they think they know is usually wrong. When you debate them, they get angry and they'll call you a racist at the drop of a hat when they may, when they misstate facts. So showing again my calculus here, how dopey reporters are. This guy at the presser yesterday with Trump decides to ask him a question about the price of oil and what's happening in the oil markets, but doesn't even understand <laughs> the price per, or has no idea what the price per oil is. So Trump's like, well, I'm not going to answer that unless you know. So check this out. Here's Savage Trump. This is great. Hey, President I was just checking on oil again today. I was wondering. If, oil? Yeah. If where is it today? <laughs> well, I was wondering if you. No, no. Where's the price? Give me the price. Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. Uh, How can you ask a question when you don't know the price? I'll look it up for okay, you. Let me do somebody uh, else. Then. Go ahead. <laughs> How can you have any pudding when you can't eat your meat? <laughs> How can you have any pudding if you <laughs> yes. don't eat your meat? You! Yes, you! Nailed them! <laughs> of course, those of you who listen to music in the early 80s and 70s know exactly what Joe's talking about. That was yeah. my favorite album until Roger Waters lost his mind. Uh, <laughs> you! Yes, you! That was, there's a little, when you, when you think that line through, it's a little more disturbing too. I'll leave that for a whole other show, by the way. Listener got back to me on that one long time ago. Never quite thought about that. All right, moving on. What really happened in Wisconsin last night, as I teased in the beginning of the show, because this matters to you. Because again, folks, you are being told a story right now. Not the story. And the A story you're being told, the Aesop's fable by the media, is those dastardly Republicans were at it in Wisconsin again, Joe. They made people go out and vote in the middle of a oh, deadly yeah. viral pandemic. They could have killed them. Those Republicans are, my gosh. But except for the fact, ladies and gentlemen, absolutely none of that is actually true. So, of course, we have receipts, as we always bring receipts on the show, because we want to inform our audience, unlike the media, which is our experts in disinformation campaigns. So, long story short, Wisconsin had its primary yesterday. I'll get to this Wall Street Journal story in a moment here, but the Wisconsin had its presidential primary uh, yesterday, and they showed up to vote. And the story you're being told by the media is, those evil Republicans made people show up in the middle of this pandemic, despite the fact that it was dangerous when we just could have delayed the election. And look at those evil Republicans on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. They made people do it too. Ladies and gentlemen, let me be crystal clear. That is categorically false. Neither the United States Supreme Court, which ruled on it, nor the Wisconsin Supreme Court, which ruled on it, made any decision whatsoever about in-person voting. Listen to me, because this story won't make any sense. That is 1,000% true. Mm -hmm. There was no decision on in-person voting. In other words, for the liberals listening who are lying to themselves and to others, nobody in any court ruled yesterday that Wisconsinites had to show up to vote in the middle of a pandemic in person. Nobody. That was never, ever in the court case. Well, what was in the court case? Because again, we've been told the evil Republicans made people vote in Wisconsin. They could have got people killed. Totally, completely false. Let's go to this Wall Street Journal article, which lays it out nicely. By the way, I have another piece from uh, Andy McCarthy, who's a little mad at me right now from National Review, but that's okay. I love Andy. Uh, in the show notes today, that is definitely worth your time if you want a detailed legal analysis, too, from a professional attorney, what happened here. It's in the show notes, bongino.com slash newsletter. I'll send you the articles every day. But this Wall Street Journal article lays out those um, stubborn things called the facts, show of what actually happened. So, oh, yeah. Wall Street Journal editorial board, Wisconsin's election confusion. 
Decisions to alter voting need to follow the law, even in a pandemic. The law, Democrats are like, screw the law. Law, schmaw, we don't need any of that. <laughs> so again, you've been told, Wisconsin Republicans on the court told people, you better go out and vote today no matter what, even if you die. And the Democrats were trying to save you. They were. Because that's not what happened. Because actually, the people who sued and caused this whole thing were the Democrats. Let's go to screenshot number one from the Wall Street Journal article. Wisconsin planned to mitigate the coronavirus threat with a large increase in vote by mail. So fewer people would need to leave their homes. Sounds good. But the Democrat National Committee sued to force the delay of the election outright. Oh, sweet. Was it a Democrat lawsuit? Wait, I, thought, I, thought the, I thought the Republican. So the Democrats are the ones who, who sued. By the way, did they, they tell you the governor of Wisconsin is a Democrat too? You might have missed that one also. I'm sorry. So in a state run by Democrats, where a Democrat lawsuit threw the election into chaos, the Republicans did this? No, 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 Dan. It was the dastardly Republicans on the Supreme Court that ordered people to show up and vote on like they, they did? That's what happened? Because that's funny. That wasn't actually in the lawsuit. Strange. Uh, let's go on. Let's read some more about what happened. I know the facts are very disturbing for liberals. They have a tough time with that kind of stuff. So here's what actually happened. Last Thursday, a federal judge, an Obama appointee, by the way, a federal judge, an Obama appointee, let me say that again, an Obama appointed judge, not a Republican appointed judge, denied the extreme request, but said vote by mail needed to be extended. Keep that up for a second. The extreme request, ladies and gentlemen, was to allow voting by mail postmarked after the election. That's insane. Goes on. Instead of receiving ballots by April 7th, which was election day yesterday, he said clerks needed to count any ballots received by next Monday, April 13th. Joe, regardless if they came in before the election or not, if they were postmarked, meaning you could vote after election day, which is crazy. Now, this Obama judge, after apparently realizing this could distort the electoral process by allowing news reports of the election to influence votes after the election, Joe, the yeah. judge issues another order and bans the state election board from reporting any results before next Monday. Wait, what? Because I'm going to explain this to you in a minute. I know it gets a little complicated. The Republican National Committee asked the U.S. Supreme Court to intervene. You can't vote after an election. And five justices agreed that the district judge, the Obama judge, was outside his authority. This is where it gets a little complicated, but don't worry, I'll explain. Okay. His remedy, the judges, the Obama judges remedy, air quotes, would have fundamentally altered the nature of the election by allowing voting for six additional days after the election, the Supreme Court wrote. And by trying to muzzle election results, they added the district court, in essence, enjoined non-parties to this lawsuit. What does that mean? This is important. This Mm. is critical. That's where it gets a little complicated, right? Yeah, a bit. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the Obama judge who rules insanely, by the way. Again, there is nothing in the ruling about you have to show up to vote in Perth. That's a silly. I'll play Stephen Colbert in a minute. Left wing hack pretending to be a comedian gaslighting people and suggesting the Republicans did this. There is nothing in the, it's the Democrat lawsuit. There is nothing in the lawsuit forcing people to show up to vote. Nothing. The Democrats wanted you to be able to vote after election day. In other words, 
You can get a mail-in ballot received after election day. It's not a problem as long as it's postmarked on election day or earlier. Makes sense. You had to vote before election, even by mail. Mm-hmm. Not hard to understand, folks. We don't have perpetual voting. Oh, you could, We'd still be voting in the 2016 election. Hey, I got my vote. It's postmarked three years after the election. That's good, too. Again, ladies and gentlemen, we're not talking about a world of good or bad. We're talking about a world of competing harms. Of course, we want everybody to be able to vote. We shouldn't shut voting down ever. Really? So you want perpetual elections where we're, the election's in doubt two years after the election? That's why we put a timeline on it. The Democrats wanted people to vote after Election Day. Think Dude. about that, folks. Jeez. News reports. Come News on. Joe, in, uh, <laughs> in downtown Madison, we're short 1,000 votes for the Democrat nominee. 1,000. It's after Election Day. Hey, y'all, uh, let's go out and tell 1,000 more people to vote after Election Day. For- yeah. Of course you can. Do you understand the chaos that wouldn't sue? And then the Wisconsin Election Commission who was not part part and parcel of this lawsuit at all, was muzzled. This same judge with this absurd decision says, oh, well, to prevent that, to prevent votes after Election Day, Joe, which is crazy enough, from being influenced by the news reports, I'm forbidding the Wisconsin Election Commission, which was not part of this lawsuit, from saying anything about the election until a week after the election. (sighs) That's what they mean in that Wall Street Journal quote about their parties not enjoined in the lawsuit. Okay. The, they weren't even allowed in. They weren't even part and parcel of the lawsuit. Yeah. So the election commission gets ruled against despite not being part of the lawsuit at all. Jeez. In other words, they didn't even have the legal right to say anything in their defense because they weren't part of the lawsuit and the judge just made them part of the lawsuit. Hey, you shut up. Don't say anything for a week. <laughs> what? What? This is crazy time. This is elections after election day and muzzling people from giving you the results of the election to make sure that after the election's over, people voting after the election aren't influenced by the actual election. This actually, yes, this is an Obama judge who did this. And it was in response to a Democrat lawsuit. This was not, the Republicans had nothing to do with this. Holy cow. Republican appointed judges, yes, at the Supreme Court and the Wisconsin Supreme Court said, what are you, crazy? You can't vote after election day. Now, you may say, well, why didn't the Democrat governor of the state just delay the darn election? Because he's an idiot. That's why. Let's go to takeaway number three from the Wall Street Journal piece. The Supreme Court decision, talking about the U.S. Supreme Court, came an hour after the Wisconsin Supreme Court swatted aside Democrat Governor Tony Evers' efforts to unilaterally postpone the election. Ladies and gentlemen, at the last minute he did this. Listen to this. Through March, Democrat Mr. Evers had indicated the election should proceed and issued an executive order exempting public polling places from his mass gathering ban. So let me get this straight. Republicans did this. A Democrat governor, Tony Evers, who pushed all the way through March to keep election day yesterday. Didn't change it. Matter of fact, even exempted polling places from his mass gatherings executive order to make sure the election happened yesterday. At the last minute, tried to change the election, which would have thrown the whole thing into chaos. When he couldn't, the Democrats sued to get people to vote by mail after the election was over. 
and then tried to put a muzzle on the Wisconsin Election Commission that wasn't even allowed to defend themselves in court. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, don't you worry. The Republicans did this. It's clearly our fault. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it really is stunning what people will believe. Yeah. Now, because a lot of liberals and some rhinos and a lot of the uninformed out there get their news from Stephen Colbert, who is a comedian. Why you're getting your news, and not even a very good one, by the way. At least Fallon's funny. Um, Colbert's not. He's just not funny. He was funny acting as the other guy. Didn't he have like an alter ego? I mean, when he acts as himself, it's really horrible. Um, Listen to Colbert on his show, Gaslighting America, who now believe that the Republicans somehow did this, despite it being a Democrat lawsuit with a Democrat governor ruled on by a Democrat Obama-appointed judge. Check this out. Oh, speaking of Joe Biden, there was an election today in Wisconsin. Now, despite the fact that every other state has postponed its primary this month, or move to mail-in ballots, at the insistence of the Wisconsin Republican legislature, the Badger State went ahead with their primary. I guess it's Wisconsin's way of showing New Hampshire that you can live free and die. Yeah. <laughs> he blames on the Republican legislature. It's amazing. A Democrat governor responding to a Democrat lawsuit ruled on by a Democrat-appointed judge. Unbelievable. And people will eat it up. Folks, you can argue all day that the Republicans and Democrats in Wisconsin should have got together and moved the election. They fine, fair, totally fair. But if you're buying the New York Times, the media, the Stephen Colbert nonsense, Republicans wanted people to die in Wisconsin. I'm I'm genuinely sorry for you. I'm not kidding. I'm I really feel bad for you. You live in a fantasy land. You don't live in the real world. You look in the mirror all day and see something that's not there. That's a smart person. It's an illusion. It's an oasis in the desert. You get there, there's no water. You thought you saw a smart person. Eh, not so much. All right, final sponsor today. Got another story. Uh, Major league face plant cell phone by the atrocious governor of Nevada. Another clueless Democrat. And uh, hopefully I can get to this steel story too. And oh, I got a piece of video I got to get to too about Deborah Burks, which is going to be really disturbing. Not about Burks, but about something she said. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today's show also brought to you by our friends at Patriot Mobile. I have an announcement from our friends at Patriot Mobile. To help Americans stay in touch with loved ones during this difficult time, they have reduced their prices even further. Stop wasting your money with these companies, these big telephone cell carriers that really can't stand us. Patriot Mobile is one of us. They are one of us. Now they have reduced prices. Right now, let their U.S.-based team design your customized family plan for only $25, $35, $45, or $55. Patriot Mobile will never charge you hidden fees. And unlike Big Mobile, they will not send your hard-earned money to Planned Parenthood or gun-grabbing Democrats. And they're not shy about where they stand. That's because Patriot Mobile only supports the conservative values you believe in. Switching is easy. Keep your phone number, bring your own phone, or buy a new one. Join our family of freedom-loving Americans today and get free activation. Plus, they'll send you a free gift. Call 972-PATRIOT. That's 9 Seven two Patriot or visit patriotmobile.com slash Dan. Get your customized family plan today for only $25, 35 45 or $55. 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT or go to patriotmobile.com slash Dan, patriotmobile.com slash Dan. Great company. Check them out. Save money. Great service. Okay. 
Uh, quick piece in town hall, be in the show notes, but uh, most definitely worth your time. Remember I told you about the Democrat governor of Nevada who in yeah. an effort to, uh, to, to, to uh, fight, fight Trump for some ridiculous reason, you know, that mm -hmm. I, I never thought, we used to joke, Joe, you know, you and I and others, and it was a joke. I mean, it's sincerely a joke that if President Trump were to find a cure for a deadly disease, whatever it may be, cancer, mm -hmm. HIV, that the Democrats would come out against it and say, you know, we have a right to cancer. Curing cancer is racist. You know, you know, yeah. you, well, it was a joke. Well, it's not a joke anymore because no. President Trump has been touting the uh, granted anecdotal, but in, there are a lot of scientific research out there as well. Benefits of a drug called hydroxychloroquine, trade name Plaquenil. Trump's excited about it because it may work. And certainly there are a number of anecdotal stories out there and some scientific data that says it does work. We'll see for the treatment of this uh, coronavirus. We'll see where it goes. But because Trump mentioned it, the Democrats hate it. And Democrat governors like the atrocious governor of Michigan, Whitmer, who has just embarrassed herself, even our local papers all over her lately, and the even more dreadful governor of Nevada, they were banning the use of this outside certain medical settings. You had to be in a hospital, all this other stuff. Because why? Because they wanted to show everybody, yeah, we're not going to go along with that Trump drug. There was an article in the Babylon Bee, the satire site show yesterday, it says, Liberals want to die quickly on hydroxychloroquine to show the to show Trump the drug doesn't work. It's like Jeez. it's a satire side. You're like that probably could be true in some cases. <laughs> People are really sick. So Nevada governor restricted the access to this drug, but notice what he did. Here's his piece in town hall. This is kind of crazy how this happens. Nevada governor found hoarding hydroxychloroquine <laughs> after banning drug. Town hall like that's just crazy. That's just I thought. Uh, Here's the uh, from the town hall piece. Nevada Governor Steve Sisolak, in embarrassment, had a knee-jerk reaction to Trump's optimism about hydroxychloroquine as an effective treatment for the Wuhan virus. <sighs> Trump was hopeful about the drug, so anti-Trump Democrats, like the hapless loser Sisolak, I added hapless and loser in there, uh, were against it. Sisolak banned hydroxychloroquine as a treatment for COVID-19, ostensibly over concerns of hoarders stockpiling the medicine and causing shortages for patients who use the drug for things like lupus. But while the governor restricted the public from receiving the potentially life-saving drug, Nevada's Department of Corrections began stockpiling the drug for prisoners. Oh, man. Just crazy how that happens, pointing wow. out Democrat hysteria and, hysteria and hypocrisy every single day. Hysteriocracy. That's a mix of hysteria and hypocrisy at the same time. How did you vote for this guy? I love Nevada. How I had family. I still have family that live out there. How, how, how did you vote for this guy? What a numbskull. Don't hoard the drug. Let's hoard the drug. <laughs> All right. Here's a disturbing piece of video. So this is Dr. Deborah Burks, who I respect, uh, but this said something yesterday that should bother everybody, ladies and gentlemen. Again, as I've said to you from the start, we this is obviously a serious virus, ladies and gentlemen. Please. Uh, again, only the simpletons on the left are making it a conversation. Blind. Serious or not? Yes. Answered. Asked. Yes. Period. Thank you. We know it's a serious virus. The question is how serious? How serious is based on data? We do facts, we do data, and we do science, unlike the left, which believes in 2,426 genders. The data on how serious this virus is as a threat to humankind is based on two calculations, your R-naught, your, the level of contagiousness of this virus, and the fatality rate. When infected with it, how many people are going to die? How contagious? How deadly? Not very complicated. You don't have to be an epidemiologist to figure it out. Anybody can look at data. 
Well, what's interesting, ladies and gentlemen, is the models were probably based on faulty data, which led to the shutting down of the United States economy, which is going to, I believe, kill more people in the long run than this virus did if we don't get a hold of this quickly. The models were based on data about its contagiousness and its fatality level. That may have been clearly wrong. So there's an effort by some in the modeling community now that has now come to fruition to attribute deaths with coronavirus to deaths from coronavirus. You may say, I don't get it. Folks, if you show up to the hospital with coronavirus and you had a heart attack, did you die from the heart attack or did you die from the coronavirus? You know what? To take the politics out of it because the left has politicized Mm -hmm. the Wuhan virus dramatically and has made these conversations almost null and void with them because they're immune to facts. Make it about the common cold. I'm not suggesting the two are related. I'm simply suggesting for the analogy, maybe to make more sense to you. If you show up to the hospital and you had a heart attack and you have a cold, did you die from the cold or did you die from the heart attack? Obviously, the fatality rate from the common cold is far lower mm-hmm. than we've seen from the coronavirus. But why don't we do that for anything else? If you show up to the hospital and you have tuberculosis, but you broke a leg and you get an infection, a blood infection, did you die from the tuberculosis or did you die from the infection? Well, we rely on medical professionals to do that. Uh, We're not doing that much anymore. Listen to this segment from Dr. Burks here, where now all of a sudden, if you show up with the coronavirus, that's all of a sudden the cause of death? Ladies and gentlemen, These are fair questions to ask. How are we ever going to get a good grasp of what the fatality rate is if we don't know if you actually died from the coronavirus because anybody who shows up with the coronavirus is deemed having died from the coronavirus. Listen to this. So I think in this country, we've taken a very liberal approach to mortality. And I think the reporting here has been pretty straightforward over the last five to six weeks. Prior to that, when there wasn't testing in January and February, that's a very different situation um, and unknown. There are other countries that if you had a pre-existing condition, and let's say the virus called you to go to the ICU and then have a heart or kidney problem, some countries are recording that as a heart issue or a kidney issue and not a COVID-19 death. Um, Right now, we're still recording it. And we'll, I mean, the great thing about having forms that come in and a form that has the ability to mark it as COVID-19 infection, the intent is right now that those, if someone dies with COVID-19, we are counting that. Folks, again, my goal here is only the truth. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I mean that candidly. If in a doctor's professional opinion, you had a heart attack, but you would have survived it if not for a a coronavirus infection, then fair enough. Attributing that to coronavirus is probably a medically sound decision. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not on the ground. I'm not in the ER. But just grossly overestimating and and overcalculating and overaccounting the number of coronavirus deaths because people showed up with coronavirus is not helping either. It's not helping for public policy and it's not helping for the science of gauging the fatality and lethality of this disease. Again, I'm just asking the liberals listening, what am I saying that's out of line here? I'm serious. Like if, if you feed, what, what, what's, why would we want to attribute everything to coronavirus despite the fact that a large number of these cases yeah. may not have been fatal other than another comorbid condition someone had? Yeah. I'm why? just asking. 
I don't know. We're not allowed to ask questions anymore. Of course, huh. I don't care about any of that. We plow right through that nonsense, but some do. Some get intimidated by the way. Huh. You got the wrong show for that. All right, one final story. We got through it. This is it. We don't, it's about <laughs> three out of five shows we get through the whole lineup. So yesterday I told you Christopher Steele, the creator of the PP tape dossier, remember that ridiculous absurdity he used to spy on Trump? He's got some problems. He's got some big problems coming up. Christopher Steele hired by the Clinton campaign to generate a bunch of nonsense about Donald Trump. I saw this piece in the Daily Mail. It's in the show notes again today. Read it. Check it out. Read the end paragraph. It's really important. By the way, the Daily Mail, you have the longest headlines in human history. Paula always comments. All right, Paula? You can't even fit them into screenshots. The headline's (laughs) like the whole article. Daily Mail, right, Joe? XMI6 spy, Christopher Steele, behind this dirty dossier on Trump. I have to cut these down. Is being sued by three Russian oligarchs who were named in his compromise file. So Christopher Steele's being sued by some Russians because some of his intel, Joe, the Steele intel, remember the PP tape stuff, mentions oh, yeah. these guys. And these guys are like, hey, we didn't do any of that crap. You made that up too. So Steele was like, ah, I don't really want to defend my work in court, you know, because uh, I have sources and stuff. Oh, you uh-huh. do? So you're just allowed to impugn people's integrity without, uh, that's interesting. So the judge in the case, check out the end of the piece of the Daily Mail. Read this. It's up at the show notes. Justice Warby said, listen, I may be called on to rule whether he should be compelled to answer a question. Talking about Steele. And the judge warned he was not convinced Mr. Steele would be able to insist, Joe, his dossier accurately reported what he had heard, <laughs> suggesting he would have to prove if it was not if it was not inaccurate. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Steele's in trouble again. He's going to have to raise his right hand in court. Looks like Justice Warby saying, no, 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 you come on in here. Tell us about that PP tape again. We'd love to hear about it. Where exactly did you get that? Can you prove the PP tape happened? Who told you about the PP tape? Steele don't want to do it because Steele knows it's all garbage nonsense. Of course, that was fabricated junk to engage in a political attack. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for tuning in. And one quick note, thank you, thank you, thank you for all your support of our conservative alternative to the Drudge Report. BonginoReport.com has taken off. Please bookmark it. Make it your homepage. We are committed to hysteria-free coverage of the best conservative news of the day. BonginoReport.com. We also have Bongino.com, too, where we do opinion stuff. But go check it out. BonginoReport.com. We really appreciate your support. Thanks a lot, folks. We'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.